Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. In today's episode, we're going to talk about determining trade entries. Should be a pretty good one here. I got an email from who is a member of the Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast patron account, which by the way, you can also become a member of it by signing up for it today at swingtradingthestockmarket.com. It's a patron account that goes into supporting this podcast and you're going to get all the market research that I do each and every day. That's going to include watch lists, trade setups, updates on all the FANG stocks, plus Tesla, S&P 500, NASDAQ 100, Russell 2000, and the most intriguing chart setups that I come across each and every day. So check that out again, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. So for today's episode, I'm going to call this guy Woodruff. It's a good old town, small town in South Carolina. If you've been there, you know Woodruff. But uh, it's we're going to use the name Woodruff for this person's email today because I don't use people's regular names because you never know how it could come back and affect them or anything else. So I always keep them anonymous. He writes, hey, Ryan, I have a request for a podcast episode that I think would be so helpful, which becomes more relevant as I watch and review the daily trade setups that you provide. How do you determine your entry points or whether you will enter once you've selected your trade setups? I often watch and wait, sometimes feeling like I missed the move already, or I jump in and no breakout occurs. Are you waiting for any clear resistance to be broken and then jumping in, even if the stock has already moved quite a bit already? I have a lot of difficulty on this one and would love to hear your thoughts. Well, Here's the thing, man. With this podcast, that is what I'm trying to do the most. I'm trying to give you guys the best and most helpful information to become good traders. And this is one of those questions I really feel like can benefit a lot of people. So we're going to go over that today. But first, I'm drinking some Bird Dog Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Now, you remember last episode, I did the Bird Dog, but it was like a blueberry whiskey. And I didn't like it at all. I gave it a 4.3, but this doesn't have any of the fruitiness into it. It's just going to be a plain old bourbon. Plain it is. It is not all that flavorful, but it's not bad either. It's got a nice light color to it. To the nose, I'm picking up a little bit of a honey, like a sweetness, but there's nothing that's real clear about it. And on the taste side, I don't know. It's a little flat. I've taken a few sips of it already, and I feel like it gets a little bit better with each sip. But is it a sipper? Yeah, I think it could be an everyday sipper. I don't think it's a great sipper. And when I call it a sipper, it's something that you can come home from work and you just grab a bottle, pour yourself a glass of it, and you're able to enjoy it. Yeah, you can do that. I don't think it's like Buffalo Trace good. I would definitely would not put it in the old Scout League. It's got a solid burn with average taste, basically. So if I'm rating it, I'm going to give it like a 6.4. My wife, I had her try it. She loves bourbon. She's a lot more critical than I am, you see. And she gave it a 5.5, so it's not even really a sipper to her. It's not that great. So... For me, 6.4, I think it's a little bit better than what she gave it credit for, but I'm going to run with 6.4. Now, onto this email here. We've, we've talked about it already. We've talked about the fact that this person's struggling when he sees the charts about where do you get long at. And there's a lot of different approaches. No one approach is going to be correct. It's a lot of it deals with your personal appetite for risk. Trade entries and whether I take them as a trade itself comes down to risk and reward. I like to go for the setups that are two to one, preferably three to one. 
And I like to get in as close to the breakout level as possible without confusing it really with resistance. Now, you think about it, if we're talking about breakouts, and that's what we're primarily going to be talking about here in this episode, you draw a line across, you're noticing, okay, if it breaks out of this basing pattern here and clears this resistance, it's in a breakout. But what you don't want to do is get so close to that resistance level to where you can't tell if you're just above it or right on it, because sometimes the price itself won't react well to getting in at that level. It'll still be in like a resistance area. Technical analysis, you try to be really precise with, but it's not super precise in every single chart to where you can nail it right down to the penny. So sometimes you want to put a little bit of wiggle room between where the clear resistance level is and where you get in at. And if it's going to be a head fake, there's a better chance that it's going to happen right at that resistance level or right above that resistance level than it will be 4 or 5% above that resistance level. Now, don't get me wrong. You will have breakouts that fail, and it can be 3 4 5% higher above it. That's why a lot of times you see me take profits along the way in my trades is because I'm guarding myself against those fake breakouts as well. But a lot of times we get into these trades to where you say, man, the stock broke out, but it didn't really follow through to the upside. Well, there's a good chance that you might have been getting in too close to that resistance level where price was really not pushing away from that basing pattern as much as it was just still dealing with the battles at resistance. So you want to make sure that when you determine your entry price on a stock that you're not getting in so close that you're right at the breakout level. Now, a lot of times too, people don't have the patience to wait for it to break out. If the stock is trading at $25 and it breaks out at $25.50, there's a lot of traders out there that will tell themselves, I can't wait for it to cross $25.50. I can get in at 2% less, make 2% and assume that it's going to break out. Well, what ends up happening is it goes up to like $25.49, can't break through that resistance and pulls back and all of a sudden the stock's trading at $24.50 and you're down 2% instead. So you wanna make sure that your entries aren't out of like a need or a desire to want to get into that stock. There's a lot of stocks that I want to get into and I never seem to have the chance to get into it because it never clears my area of resistance or never meets my threshold for what's an acceptable reward to risk ratio. So a couple of things right there. Make sure you're not getting in so close to the resistance level that price is really not detached from it and it creates still a, a high possibility or probability that there's a head fake right there or that you're getting in so close that you're not even actually above the resistance. You're just right on it. Yeah, remember, breakouts don't always work. They're not always going to be sustained. A lot of breakouts do work and they create incredible opportunities. But part of trading is losing. And part of losing means that some of your breakouts are not going to always work. And that when they don't work, that's what the stop losses they're in, in place for. And this particular email, he's like, man, sometimes I jump in and no breakout occurs. Yeah, that's going to happen. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to look for patterns that have a probability that they will work. Now, some people trade techniques that only work like 40% of the time, but when they do work, they work in an amazing fashion. If you make 20% on every trade that you win on and lose 10% on every trade that you lose on, and you're only right 40% of the time, you're still doing okay. So it's not always about being right 50 or 60% of the time. I like to be right more than 50% of the time. I want to be right as much as possible, but there's going to be times where you go through periods where you might only be right 20 or 30% of the time because the market and the patterns that you're trading are just not working out that great. I think a lot of breakout patterns right now are really struggling because this market's almost priced for perfection. It's just sitting at these all-time highs. When they make new all-time highs, they're marginal new all-time highs before you have like a 3 or 4% pullback, and then it gets bought right back up again and goes right back to the all-time highs, struggles to really make significant new all-time highs, and they pull right back down again. And that's 
what you're seeing a lot of right now where the breakouts are just not sustaining themselves. If you're playing breakouts on the spy, you're not going anywhere with this market because those breakouts to new all-time highs, they're not producing much reward for the risk that you're having to take on. And a lot of your entries are going to vary from stock to stock. Stocks with high betas like a Roku or a Neo or a Robinhood, they're going to have a large beta in terms of how much do they move when the market moves 1%, how much is a Roku typically moving? A lot of times they have much bigger moves, like 4 or 5%. And so when you have a high beta, that means you're going to have a much bigger price range. And so trying to find a good reward to risk is going to be difficult. Now, if it's Walmart or Cisco or NextEra Energy, symbols for those are WMT, CSCO, and NEE, you're going to find that, yeah, a stock can run for a couple of days and still you can get into a good reward to risk entry. So the breakout or the entry price on those, they're going to be far easier to get into when they develop because the reward to risk is so much more favorable. When you start getting into Roku and it goes on a two-day run, you're looking at a possible 15% stop loss with maybe a 10% reward or a 15% reward. Heck, if it has a 20% reward, it's not a good reward to risk ratio because you still want it to be at least two to one opportunity for what you think you can pull in on the trade. Now, Roku if you're using a 15% stop loss, you're going to need at least 30% return on that trade for it to be a valid reward to risk scenario. And if you're wanting to go against what I really think is like the best reward to risk scenarios out there, it's like three to one or more. So then it's like 45%. Well, then you're really just starting to get ridiculous with the expectations. Whether or not the entry is going to be good is going to be dependent on whether or not the risk that you're taking on is good relative to the stock that you're trading. Now, if I'm going to use a stop loss on next era energy of 10%, that's going to be a hard pass. Why? Because I don't have huge expectations for next era energy to go up 20% or for Cisco or for Walmart. But if I can get like a 2%, yeah, I might be able to go for 4% or for 6%. That sounds pretty solid there. You're going to be much more challenged to find a 2% stop loss on Roku. And if you do, there's a good chance that it's going to be so volatile the next day that it could easily stop you out of it. That doesn't mean you can't ever trade more volatile stocks, but there needs to be some clear support levels that you can place your stop loss under. And whether or not it's a good entry price is going to be determined based off of where you're putting your stop loss at. I pass on a lot of good charts. I mean, a ton of good charts. I can't even tell you how many charts I pass up on all the time because the reward to risk for me and my own personal trading is not good enough. I don't want to take on when a market's struggling to make new all-time highs. I don't want to take on 10% stop losses right now because there's a good chance we're not going to get that out of the, a lot of the stocks that we're trading right now, especially when the majority of them are not even trading above their 40-day moving average. They're struggling to participate in this market. And two, when you're gauging entries and you're worried about FOMO and everything else, look at the chart and it says to yourself, is this a trend that looks like it's just getting started? Is it in the middle of the trend or is it towards the end of a trend? A lot of people get themselves in trouble with FOMO and like what we saw last week with Robinhood where the stock goes all the way up to 85 and then the next day is trading in the 50s because people start getting in there thinking, oh, it's going way up. Well, they didn't identify the fact that there's a good chance that that two-day pop that it had could be the end of its rally. Instead, you want to find those charts that are showing you, hey, there's a good chance this is the beginning of a rally right here and this is how you manage risk. You don't want so much to have to try and time the end of the rally. You want to try to get in near the beginning and you want to get the meat and potatoes, okay? I call it the meat and potatoes, the middle part of that trend 
because that's where a lot of your easy money is going to come from. That's where it makes its big move. And then it gets to the top and it starts to top. I don't really care about that topping pattern. I don't want to tie my money into it. I'd rather just get the meat and potatoes, man, that middle section of a rally. So to summarize for you guys, because we talked a lot about these trade entries. We talked about how bird dog was like, eh, okay, six, four bourbon. But more importantly, we talked about entry prices. Now we want to be looking for setups that are going to give us a two to one or a three to one reward for the risk that we're taking on and whether or not they're good should come down to whether or not the reward to risk ratio is favorable. Now, when we get in, we want to make sure that we're not getting in right where there is a resistance level. Okay. We don't want price to kind of be muddled into all of that. We want there to be some separation between current price and the resistance that it just broke through. Also, you don't want to front run it. You don't want to be like, Hey, I see in the stock trading at 25. I want to get in now so I can buy more shares and not wait until it breaks clear resistance at 2550 because there's a good chance it never will and you'll just be stuck in an unnecessary loss. And remember, I pass on a lot of good charts. You will too if you make reward to risk your priority and your trading decisions and where you get in at. That's going to do it for today. If you guys have any questions, make sure to keep sending them my way, ryan at shareplanner.com. Keep leaving me those five-star reviews because they do help me build this podcast. They mean the world to me. That is the biggest thank you that you guys can do. Make sure to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com. And all of you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you. God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. Thank you.